Hi there, Charlie McGee speaking. Just a quick note on the editing of this episode before you listen. So this is one of our earlier episodes. So George and I were still quite new to the podcasting game. We hadn't got the optimum setup in place yet. We were still trying to record uh, one of us in different countries, different mics over Skype, you name it. We tried it before we got to the best setup. So uh, if you prefer your episodes in the highest quality, probably suggest starting around episode six or seven, uh, where we're covering things like the Goonies and 1989 Batman, because I don't know, we just, we got things, we worked out what worked, what didn't work. But if you are a completist, you can go back and check out one of these earlier ones, like one, two, four, or five. Uh, episode three is actually pretty decent quality, and that's a special where we cover John McTiernan's classic with Arnie, Predator. So if you like bad impressions of Arnold Schwarzenegger, and to hear us talk about it for 90 minutes, be sure to check that out. Take all of that under advisement, just as Hans Gruber says. That's all I can really think of to mention. Thank you for downloading the episode. Keep sharing. Sharing is caring. Keep following us on all social medias. And for everything else, you can get us at retroramble.blog. Bye for now. You like movies about gladiators? Those men wanted to have sex with me! Great Scott! Nice beaver. Cinderella boy. Rambo is a pussy. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And welcome to Retro Ramble. As you might have guessed it, we are still brothers and we are still not lovers. We're still brothers who grew up on a healthy diet of films and enjoy rambling about it. The purpose of this podcast is to take a look back at the films we remember most fondly. Films that are worth discussing for one reason or the other, good or bad. And this week, it's sexy space Nazi classic, Starship Troopers. What year is it? Who's the president, George? Charlie, we're still in 1997. There's been some great films uh, we've talked about previously, but there's been classic films like Gross Point Blank, Men in Black, The Full Monty, Con Air, uh, personal favourite of mine, Gattaca, but some not-so-great films as well. Films like Speed 2 and Lost in Space. Do you remember seeing that? We, we saw it at uh, a cinema in America, if I remember rightly, um, when we were away skiing. And I'm actually scared to admit that I think we used to like it. Is, is that the one with the terrible CGI space monkey and a overweight uh, Matt LeBlanc I I definitely don't remember seeing that film with you George and that is my official statement on the matter and all I have to say anyway without another moment uh, George just take us through the sexy housekeeping so uh, one more time uh, we are not film journalists we do not work in the film industry we are movie fans uh, we're also new to podcasting so there may be the occasional glitch issue issues with the audio quality, the audio editing. A wine glass being set down. A wine glass being set down, for example. Uh, laughing at our own jokes. Um, there may be the occasional um, bad impression. And I think in this... Uh, you know! <laughs> I think in this particular episode, there are some shocking attempts. Uh, I'm not going to say which uh, actor, uh, but we give it a good go. Um, so yeah, in the words of Airplane... That was so yeah. Uh, as usual, um, we're going to focus on on this film in particular, uh, and then afterwards we we may do a little bit of a roundup and talk about the the mediums we're currently consuming. So, be it uh, books, uh, TV series, games, um, mobile games, um, board games, board games, love games, not love games. Okay, no more. Love. Um, but anything that we are consuming and we may deem it's entertaining and that we should share it with your very good ears we hope that we might inspire you to go back and revisit some of these films for yourself the chances are well what we expect is that you're listening to this because you either love the sound of our dulcet tones or you've seen these films before you know the 
story you know what happens but out of courtesy we just want you to know there will be spoilers we will be focusing on set pieces uh michael ironside michael ironside mainly uh what happens at the end michael ironside the uh second and third films which we don't cover in every way what else other people that aren't michael ironside uh one of the best things in the film total recall which i would have to say for my money is michael ironside um and arnie screaming (laughs) (laughs) so um i guess I guess that's it. We've we've got the pod all queued up. George is just currently rewinding the cassette and um, loading up the tapes. Loading up the tapes onto a computer that's the size of a room. So it's retro. Let's get our ramble on with some uh, Starship Troopers. Let's go there. In the future, the greatest threat to our survival will not be man at all. Prepare for battle and journey to the front lines of the next frontier. Kill them all! Starship Troopers. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Retro Ramble. This time, we will be taking a look at Starship Troopers. Uh, My name is Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And once again, we are back in the year 1997, a year when I myself was uh, just a young man of 18 years old. Uh, George, you would have been, what, 14, 15? 14 years old, yes. So even more impressionable. Indeed. So, George, I'll I'll let you really set us off. Give us an introduction on kind of how this film came about. I mean, obviously, we're both uh, very. Everyone will know about RoboCop, and people should know um, Total Recall. Two big films. So this is almost like a an unofficial sort of sci-fi trilogy from Paul Verhoeven, who's a Dutch director. Yeah, probably most famous, uh, as you say, for. Robocop and the original Total Recall. Uh, the less said about the remake, the better. So yeah, Starship Troopers is, I think that there's there's, in, there's definitely themes that run across all three. I think Starship Troopers shares a lot with Robocop in terms of the whole satire element and that is probably no surprise because it's the same writer uh, Ed Neumeyer the film itself is a it's an adaptation of a 1950s sci-fi novel by Robert Heinlein I think uh, it is I, I tried reading it when I was in my teens and it's actually quite quite dull and quite heavy going. <laughs> Verhoeven is quoted as saying the same thing. I think he said he gave up because it was so so dull and boring. He couldn't finish the the novel. But it, it's essentially a very fascistic uh, take on uh, on you know military and the approach to war. And I think yeah, as we're going to delve into the film, takes those those elements that were played straight in the book that were you know portrayed as straight and puts a satirical spin on it. And it really works for the film, as I say, we're going to jump into. But it's essentially, the story is three friends from school who all go into different lines in the military. So there's our our lead. uh, Mobile infantry. Yeah, the amazingly named Johnny Rico, who uh, ends up with the mobile infantry. You've got Doogie Howser, MD, or... Bonnie Stinson, Neil Patrick Harris himself as the uh, what was geeky it? Psychic, psychic, geeky psychic, quasi-fascist, intelligent, Stasi-like guy, but but G- with a sense Gestapo of humor. Type, yeah. But with a lovely yeah. sense of humor, you know, he's looking out for his mates. And the lovely Denise Richards as a lovely pilot. <laughs> And intertwining stories about a intergalactic war with a very violent and very horrible alien bug insectoid race. So, uh, just, I think, so I think just known as the bugs, really. But so Verhoeven, um, everything about that is. I mean, he really goes to town. I mean, what made him great in Total Recall and Robocop? The I don't know. Would you call it like uh, gore porn? Or I mean, I mean, he's used, oh yeah, it's, uh, it's 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 turned up to eleven. It's a beautiful use of what do you call this technology that they were using to do some of these effects? You know, it's like it's none of this. Uh, there's there's pr- some prosthetics. Yeah, but he's he's really. I, I think what's what show. I mean, I watch 
watch this in DVD because I have the DVD. I mean, I don't have it on Blu-ray, and I'd be interested now to have a quick look and see what it how it stands up on Blu-ray because kind of the same as when I. I tried to watch The Phantom Menace again before the last Star Wars film came out. I got out the DVD, put it in the PlayStation, and it just looked ropey because I've got so used to watching Blu-ray. So this looked good, and I think it's a good mix of see. There's, there's obviously some clear CGI explosions, um, but there's uh, there's a good mix of prosthetics and CGI, and I think he handles it pretty well. I completely agree. It's funny. I was telling one of our uh, mates about that we were going to look at this film recently, Mr. George Feeney. He, he actually pointed out. He said, "Oh, it's it's a great film. It's entertaining, but the effects really don't hold up. It's really dated." And uh, I'm sorry, George. Uh, I beg to differ. I'm gonna have to gonna have to hold you up there, George. I think if you sit it alongside some of the other films that came out that year, I think it does pretty pretty all right. There's some patchy bits, um, but overall the bug design is amazing and I think I'm right in saying that the special effects head guy is um, a guy called Phil Tippett and I think he was one of the key people behind Jurassic Park as well so obviously got pedigree there you've just Um, reminded me that's what it looks like when you criticise the effects in this or to get back to our good friend George Feeney who's now going to be obviously on this podcast forever (laughs) it's no no worse than uh, Jurassic Park and everybody tips the hat to that now still well that's it if you look at like getting a bit geeky in terms of really good cgi it's the the light shades like the way the light falls on the 3d models <laughs> and it's really good on the bug design like you can see they do feel they've got that weight to them as well they don't look like airy fairy they lumber around they're a bit clumsy they move they're not all moving together as like they've just repeated the animation loads it well they probably have but it's very unnoticeable and yeah that's as you, you picked up on before the Verhoeven is he's not everyone's cup of tea he's very much well the, the guy's a crazy Dutchman he's very much he's he's come from the sort of Dutch exploitation cinema and it's very generalizing with basic he instinct basic instinct yes yeah exactly yeah. So, so he was known he, he he doesn't believe in holding back, bless him. He, you know, subtlety isn't his forte. Like he, he wants to to shock, delight, and yeah, as you say, there's that. The gore is is a, is so rigid, like so excessive. It's humorous. It's sort of it's you know it's a similar take as, as Tarantino. He takes that. He makes gore. It's so ridiculous. It's yeah, it's it's, it's laughable. But it, it, I suppose the the theatre, the uh, the the whole spectacle. Yeah. So Act One. Like if we if we look at the start of this film, what's what's worth what's worth picking up on? I mean, when I watch this, I mean I, they they very quickly like some um, some good narrative. It's hammered home that there are citizens and civilians and so service. It, means citizenship yeah. and our social the social scientists I love it how they refer to that have failed yeah. um, society's failed and luckily the veterans <laughs> have come in what, exuding what can only be martial law so I mean it's it's set up very quickly the city looks like something out of a Star Trek film but I mean it, it passes as being futuristic the technology at the time the classroom environment I think we're gonna we're gonna touch on on Michael Ironside at, at, at some point I think maybe halfway through this big big fan both of us being big fans uh, of that guy um, I think we might be in danger of this turning into the Michael Ironside podcast so we'll, we'll, um, we'll, we'll try and rein it back on, on that but I mean yeah. what, what, what's, what stands out from, for you in the you know before they because uh, obviously this is all building up to them going into space to fight these bugs what stands out for you before they actually go through that I, I agree I think the, the plot is really nicely quickly summed up in that news report and the, the news reports throughout are used you know really effectively and obviously a nice comic relief but they pretty much sum up why we're at war with the bugs and just the simple fact of Clendathu must be destroyed you know <laughs> this is where Earth is this is where Clendathu is and I just love the sort of animation let's the planet <laughs> you quickly establish the, the, the main characters their relationships and setting up that sort of yeah there's lots of future building type stuff some of it works you know you've got the psychic abilities Johnny Johnny Rico has psychic ability zero acting ability zero but, um, you know, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, 
get onto that later. Um, I love, I think it's the closest thing we're going to get to see um, in terms of the game of speedball, that, that <laughs> futuristic indoor rugby. Is it flash. basketball? <laughs> is it basketball? Is it gymnastics? Because some of the flips that Johnny Rico does. It's oh, mixed. I looks mean, fun. Looks fun. It looks a lot of fun. I was a little bit, uh, and I remember being really confused when I saw this uh, the cinema. Why is it set in Buenos Aires? Why are there no Latin American people around? But I think that's part of the satire. I, I, I think it's that society's fallen. Uh, the ice, the icebergs have melted, uh, or stuff like that. North America's flooded. Everybody's moved down, and that's why Denise Richards is called Ibanez. Uh, well, jo- Johnny Rico. Yeah, yeah. So, and maybe uh, with all the well, when this film was made, predominantly white Northern Americans flooding into Southern America, away from the water or whatever, they balance it out. So that's a, that's a lot of backstory you've just established. There, John. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, I'm not going to say I read the comics or anything. Um, <laughs> I think um, uh, I may have watched all the animated spin-offs. We're going to talk about the deleted scenes, which because you're talking about how some things are set up for the future, and I, I think we can we'll talk about that at the end because that was a, obviously a DVD bonus. But the uh, all the scenes that have been deleted, if they'd been left in, this would be in a completely different film, and I'll ex- I'll explain why in a bit. But for me, really just focusing on what are Johnny Rico's motivations for going. It's a girl. It's like uh, the, uh, Denise Richards, uh, Carmen. She's going because she's smart. And Doogie House is going because he's smart. And Rico's going because... Yeah. Rico's going because he's got a heart on. And um, mind you, to be fair to him, it pays off. He gets the girl before he goes away. So that brings us to the enchantment under the moon dance. In my notes here, I've got in the future music will still sound like the same generic 90s grunge pop yeah. um, <laughs> to quote, just, just awful music to, to quote uh, a line I heard Nathan Drake say in the last Uncharted 4 he says nothing better than a good bit of douchey European techno <laughs> it's something yeah. in the middle of like indie grunge techno but yeah it's like every, nobody's using radio mics there's still backing singers and all of that and uh, yeah everyone's still wearing the same sort of tuxes anyway it's kind of funny uh, the one thing I picked up on in that uh, that dance scene was we saw an early foreshadowing of Barney Stinson, sleazy Neil Patrick Harris doing the dancing in, and I was like, "It's Barney!" Yeah, he's like jumping I, between uh, personas. And I, and I think that's the funny thing out of all the people in this film. When we first saw it, I don't think anyone would say, "You know that guy in twenty years, that guy's going to be you know the highest paid person out of all of them, you know, or the biggest you know." name in Hollywood. Well, you see, the thing is, I don't, you probably don't remember as well as I do, because I was 18 at the time, but when this film came out, it was like, it was like, what the hell? That's Doogie Howser. And everyone was like, how random is that? Doogie Howser's turned up in this, like what we were calling at the time, this kind of B-movie. I mean, it was, yeah, it was it, yeah. it was in the in the age, it was a big year, you know, as a reason why we're focusing on 97. But it was kind of like, even then, it was like, oh, look who's turned up. And so, in a way, I thought that was like, oh, well, his career's over. He, he, he here he is. He's got a little. You know, this is this is all he can get now. He's done TV. He's got a little spot. Yeah. You know, um, so yeah, we had no idea because they were like, um, like that David Schwimmer money. By the end of it, they were all getting paid like um, a million an episode, just like Friends, weren't they? Well, yeah, exactly. And he's been like hosting. Well, he's hosted the. Did he host the Oscars? He's yeah, he's done the DC, like MTV yeah. and the Oscars. Yeah. But you know, obviously, this film was a, a launching platform for De- Denise Richards, uh, which I've got my notes. Lovely girl, you know. She, obviously, she's a stunning girl. Terrible, terrible actress. I mean, she. Would you, uh, you know, we were talk. We, you know, we'll talk about what worked and what didn't work in terms of the cast. But if anybody appears like a TV act- actor in this film, it's her. Well, I don't know. It's it's a t- it's a tough one. I mean, obviously, this launched the career of Casper Van Dien and um, you know, in those Sorry, other, those, 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 those <laughs> other films he was in remember? remember? I don't know any other um, film he's been in apart from wasn't he in one of these sequels I don't know he, he came back for the third one apparently well, I haven't seen any of the sequels but apparently they're all you know, there's some really nice, if we just stay on the casting for a little bit, there's some some nice little bit part actors in there. So you've got Clancy Brown, who is the, Sergeant Zim, the Zim. Drill, drill instructor. From Shawshank. The, the, and the Kurgan from yeah, Highlander. Kurgan. I forgot that was you, him. Yeah, yeah. You, 
you've actually got two Highlander villains because you have the Kurgan and you have My- Michael Ironside is the bad guy from the horrible, horrible Highlander 2, which could be a potential podcast film in the future. Good knowledge. Don't thank me. Thank IMDb. Okay. Yeah, I love Clancy Brown. I think he's... He's a great sort of character actor, and he does seem to be stuck with the military sort of role. So whether he's well, person of authority, as you say, you've picked up on Shawshank. He's played a general many, many times. I think he's been a general on The Flash. He was a general. I was going to say, yeah, he was in something else. In uh, Daredevil Series 2, he was, you know, as part of the Punisher storyline. Yeah. And you've also got randomly in the cast... Gary Boosie's kid, Jake Boosie. Yeah, he didn't have, um, he's done a few films, but not many. Wasn't he in The Frighteners? Or was that actually? He was. He was yeah. He, yeah, he was He was a bad guy in The Frighteners. Because we both watching and saying, um, is that Jake Boosie? <laughs> Couldn't tell. Couldn't it, tell. <laughs> act two? Sort of act two. Uh, well, actually, I don't know where it falls, but in terms of the... Would you like to know more? <laughs> the little news bits. Um, one of the ones, uh, the lines I don't know you've picked up on, um, which I found hilarious, the state execution. Catch the execution live at six on all channels. Yeah, it's just like, don't miss it. We've laughed about this for years, and I think when we talked about doing this film, you remind, you sent me the, uh, the would you like to know more video of... Everyone's doing their part. Are you? The, the mother's maniacal laugh as all the kids are stamping on the books. Oh, they're, they're just, yeah, all the news clips are brilliant, but I think that is my, my favourite one with the, yeah, the mother-slash-teacher laughing hysterically as the kids smash all those cockroaches. So we get um, into the, the training, which uh, I enjoyed. I mean, obviously, as much... I mean, it, it's great to see what would training be like uh, in the future with futuristic weapons. They're still using they're still using normal ammunition, uh, but they've actually got amazing laser tag. But there's some great introduction of, you know, the characters who are going to be with us, some of them for a very short amount of time some of them for just the right amount of time I thought I thought that was a re- it was a nice meaty bit in the middle and it and just to finish uh, it also blends nicely into act three I think it's sort of like training then it's action you know at the end you yeah just- I, I actually forgot how how long they actually spend at the training camp and it's and it's nice it does sort of feel like any other you know military coming of age type film you know we've, we've seen the, the training in Vietnam film so it's great to see that sort of that same that same formula, but with a futuristic spin. I, and I with, really like that. With the Verhoeven satirical, all of the. Uh, what, are you okay? Yeah, my, it's just my arm. I think it's broken. <laughs> Medic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the, one of the, the favorite, my favorite bits I forgot about. Sue, why do we need knives in space? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> and and he just pins the, the guy's uh, hand to the wall. If you cannot use the button, <laughs> yeah, it's you know? genius. Yes. The great thing about Paul Verhoeven is his his love of gore and some really uh, convincing, practical, prosthetic, you know, special effects. You know, arms gushing, arms being torn off. The, the, um, the, the training exercise. Sorry, the live fire, fire exercise. Exercise. I think Dean Norris. That, I think that's what he said in his in his uh, in his casting, and that they're like, "You've got you've got the job." So what else do I say? Oh well, only only three other lines, but that that was the line that got him the work. It's like live fire. I mean, I love that guy. He's in Terminator. Obviously, he's he's got you know he's world he's renowned now because of Breaking Bad. But he's done. He's one of those guys who worked his socks off in films like Terminator Two. Uh, what else has he been in? He's been in so many other little things. There's Starship Troopers. I mean, you go guys if if you're interested, go and check it out on IMDb. Dean Norris. That guy has earned his you know his place in history as a as a bit part actor to being you know a, a main part of Breaking Bad, which will go down as one of the most successful TV series of all time so good good for him still haven't seen it well you know I still uh, haven't well, I still well, haven't watched uh, Game well, of Thrones so uh, in, your, in your face so, uh, so yeah, yeah so uh, you know right into complaint from the training we, we go into into the war with the first drop zone which is the you know the huge mistake and I love the the, the cliches of you know the people shaking and the troop transport and, someone being um, sick <laughs> someone being sick my favourite line that I I think I still use from time to time. Remember your training, <laughs> <laughs> and you will stay alive. <laughs> 
and uh, I think there's a nice little nod to uh, to Robocop when they just casually say in that first battle nuke them because uh, they have small I couldn't get my head around they've got small arm nuclear bombs just carrying your back pocket to... sort of like uh, shoulder shoulder surface to a nuke shoulder shoulder <laughs> shoulder 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 nuke them Rico um, yeah <laughs> yeah I, I love the fact that they just were using nuclear bombs like they were going out of fashion yeah there's a few Star Wars references. The big, uh, in, like huge spaceships. I thought the the bit where we see Johnny Rico in the health tank was yeah, a very Luke Skywalker homage. Is is it now? Is it now time to talk about how awesome Michael Ironside is? I think it's time to talk about Rojak Rojak and the the I've beast. Got, I've got one rule: <laughs> everyone fights, no one quits. That guy is amazing. Him and Paul Verhoeven. What I mean, and everything that guy's done. What a I mean, partnership. What a partnership. But it's his delivery. I mean, from the very off. Oh, he's got no arm. Oh, right. Okay. So he's... he's I, I don't know if you thought it, but I was thinking, like, he's got to have a bigger role in this. But you still don't see it coming. Like, his entrance, it's like him walking in and how he clocks them, but he doesn't change his face. And they're just like, oh, my God. And it's still, oh, it's our hero. It's, it's, the guy's just I mean, amazing. I've got my notes... Why does Ironside only have one arm? Like, question mark. But I suppose it just turns out it just makes him more of a badass. That he's got, like, a robotic arm. That he's seen action? He's, I think yeah, he's seen action. He's, he's willing to make the sacrifice. Yeah, and that is the one that he's seen that military action before he's lost his arm, he's given, he's given, you know, he's earned his right to be a teacher and... Citizen. Citizen. And more importantly, that if he's needed again, he's so badass that he's going to come back in. But everything he says, every bit of delivery, he's like, he is, in the words of many other actors, eating up the scenery. Like, he's, he's not scared of the bugs. He's not scared of dying. He's not scared of anything. And when he clocks Rico, you know, there's that, they have that lovely, I think, which is a great moment, which kind of sort of brings into focus the, the fog of war, where, you know, Rico does that whole move on the back of the bug, throws in the grenade and it blows up where did you learn to do, to do that and he was like I played football at school do you not remember and he just kind of like that's when he remembers and he smiles and obviously he's so in the zone I mean that's such good acting it's like in the fog of war I don't remember I, I remember yeah. you from school but I don't remember that was another life so I thought that was there was some that, that was a good maybe it was just great acting from him you know I think it was I think it's fair to say that he is uh, the MVP for this film. I Definitely. I just wanted to see more of him and <laughs> miss him when, he, when he's gone. And who else can deliver the line with, so, with such conviction? They've sucked his brains out. <laughs> <laughs> and that look of pure horror. And I was General, like, you know, get a hold of yourself, General. <laughs> so, yeah, I, uh, you know, I've, I think I've got my notes. You know, thank God for, for Michael Ironside. He is, he's just a, uh, yeah, God bless him. He really pulls this uh, He's, he's so good in Total Recall as well he's such a I mean he is the bad guy in that you know he is it's like uh, what, what, what's his name again in Total Recall um you are the body sorry George sorry say it again what was that you are the body oh sorry I was edging towards Zed from Police Academy towards the end there we love him Michael Ironside we salute you yes yes we salute you Mr. Ironside the other bit I've got on my notes here, yeah, I mean, that scene where they're in the, you know, retreat into the compound where yeah. they're, they're making that last time. Great scene. I, I, great I special effects, great stakes. Yeah, I think you're not, really into not, the film. The yeah, because you're really into the film then because like when they, when they arrive with the roughneck, what? This is like, I'm going, okay, so they've done one route, they got their asses kicked, now they're with a ser now they're with a seasoned veteran uh, elite group. Oh, and it's run by the teacher from school. This is amazing. So you're comfortable with everybody. You, you're comfortable with the setup. You know that uh, Rico is following his mentor and that that mentor's got kind of like, he's got a soft spot for Rico because, you know, he's like quoting words from the text in the class. And then you see, and I can remember because obviously we'll talk about the deleted scenes, but I watched the teaser trailer, which nowadays wouldn't be a teaser trailer. 
it would just be a trailer but um and it showed that scene and it actually got me really because i watched it before i watched the film and it got me really excited i was like, oh that's and that that scene is one that sticks with you know the it's the sort of lord of the rings you know darkness is descending it's coming over the hills oh sorry cgi darkness is coming to kill you um obviously it's a bit more i mean even lord of the rings looks dated now this does look dated but i can remember at the time just thinking they're fucked <laughs> they're totally screwed yeah. <laughs> Right now. <laughs> so just 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 to finish off because it's something you and I always do when we watch a film. Have you got a line in your notes about slightly hilarious death of the general? You know, oh, it's, yes. it's, yeah, yeah. Well, well, and, and they even look at each other and just go. Nah. Yeah, it's because I, I was thinking, do they? I, I remember this being funny because I could see it coming. You know, the bug, the bug that gets shot and it goes down. It takes out the general. For those who need a reminder, and when it happens, you know, Rico's using this feature on his gun that we didn't realize, which is you know, which is cool. It's the shotgun attachment to take out the flying thing and it takes out the general. And yeah, as you say, they, they both kind of look at each other. Now, I don't think Jake Busey is uh, smiling. I think it's just his Busey face. You know, it's like either his grin. massive mouth. It's, it it, it kind of looks like a grin because I looked at it carefully and Rico is like whoops you know and he was like whoops but like you the audience it is a hilarious moment you know just like that shriveling general of a man has just been accidentally what? killed you know in that that whole scene you've got yeah the general gets taken out comically um, there's a lot got, of death you've got the, uh, the, the 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 flying bugs I think there's like three decapitations in like two, no reason. ten seconds no reason and and there's also uh, again probably a nod back to the toxic waste from Robocop the guys that are running to the troop transport that get melted alive by the giant bug you know there's there's so much death going going on you know there's people getting chomped left right and center melted decapitated it's you know it's just great but there's a, there's obviously you know there's a lot of emotion in this in this closing scene because you've got we lose iron sides we've got that you know what to do <laughs> yeah. and it's it, that is a moving moment because you see him looking at him down the sides and it's like it is you know that's that's their relationship coming to an end you know it's him it's him you know hammering the last nail in the coffin and you're like oh my god because you're thinking oh he's, he's still alive he's got no legs and you're like wait a minute he's got no arm yeah okay yeah that's 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 what he's iron side that's what he's. a soldier's death yeah and then and then you've got diz uh he kind of it's kind of telegraphed when he bangs when uh, rico bangs her you're just like she ain't gonna make it and um i've got my notes she gets a good over the over the top death scene <laughs> <laughs> getting cold so so cold at least I got to have you yeah, yeah. and he's like okay okay yeah he said kiss me kiss me Frank <laughs> I know what's that from that's from that's from something else that's from uh, Charlie Sheen what it's a loaded weapon isn't it is kiss it me cold yeah and he's like she's covered in blood no 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 genius and then obviously uh, the re reuniting of the reuniting of uh Carmen and Johnny as you say when Ironside goes it's kind of like we talked about Air Force One when um, you know when the when the really good strong actor force in it like goes like Gary Oldman goes in Air Force One you kind of you're like oh yeah it's just can these other actors it's a good ending uh, but it's kind of by the numbers yeah it does end on a sort of a, a, a bit of a whimper and I think that's if anything like it's one of the, the film few flaws is it builds up like you know a great story and then it kind of sort of and they'll continue fighting uh, to see another day yeah it kind of builds it up for the sequels that no one's ever seen or no one really wanted and didn't actually um, follow straight after the film either if I remember correctly no no but I, I did a bit of reading before and Apparently, the the second, the first sequel, uh, Starship Troopers Two, completely dismisses the satire uh, and sends it up as a really cheaply, badly acted action film. And the third one brings back what's his face, Casper uh, Van Dien, and it's written and directed by Ed Newmyer, the original writer. And apparently, brings back the satire, but again, is on a shoestring budget with some pretty bad acting. I, I think I've just seen glimpses of that. It was on. Ellie wants and our mutual friend Bryce watched and I was like what's it like he goes well it's pretty funny <laughs> and I was like okay he says but it's also pretty bad yeah so I don't yeah. know I thought the plot was solid as I say we've been able to pick out the structure Verhoeven knows what he's doing there's an act one two and three it's scary it 
it's thrilling it's got action in it it's sexy it's, uh, it's creepy um. yeah well I've got down here as uh, alternate title sexy space Nazis like it well you know they're, they're, it's uh, the Nazis they're oh, yeah, space they're all, very, they're, they're all very beautiful people that funeral that funeral where Doogie Howser turns up dressed like completely the Stasi he's just like yep I've even got my coat on even though we're in a climate controlled ship <laughs> <laughs> yep, I've got my big Nazi coat on. Yeah, I thought that was that was funny. I, but I do think that it, the film squeezes a lot in. As we talked about at the beginning, you know, it's it's it is the story, uh, a journey of three friends in an intergalactic war. So yeah, I mean, in terms of like bringing like what worked, the music is good, full orchestral stuff. I liked it. I don't know about you. I mean, we joked about the '90s stuff, but you can't get away from your your timed references. I mean, I really liked the the orchestral stuff. I thought it was going to be. Uh, our man from Air Force One and Robocop uh, and Total Recall, Jerry Goldsmith. But it's some, I, I, I don't even, can't even remember the, it's a very forgettable composer off, off the top of my head. It's got that sort of brassy, triumphant, macho wall type theme. I think it, it's got, the soundtrack's very good. 90s, high school musical stuff aside. Yeah, and the, um, you know, we, I think we talked enough about the effects at the start. You know, I like the fact that there's a mixture of, of, which kind of the recent Star Wars film gone back to there's a re- there's a mixture of physical and graphic you know CGI but this was when you know C- CGI was let's just call it the Jurassic Park stage so very much in its infancy but I, th- I think I like the mix um, you know I think we've talked about yeah. that if there's anything else you want to add I would like to see what this looks like in Blu-ray just, just for curiosity you know well um, now I've, I've got some all I've got here is in terms of I've got some facts but now in terms of yeah I think and this sort of ties up with the what works what doesn't I think the the film is guilty of if anything the satire is too subtle and I think well, some audiences didn't get the satire element they just saw it as a gung-ho military action film have you got um, some examples I thought you were going to read out some, some reviews going I don't get oh, this oh, film oh no 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 we're not going to embarrass I, I anyone I haven't got no, I have, I'm not doing the second opinion. <laughs> no, I think, it, as you say, there's there's many ways you can look at it. You can look at it. Got, you've got a nice structure throughout, even though it does sort of tail off towards the end. You've got the story of the three friends. They're reunited at the end. You've got some nice sort of callbacks throughout the film. So whether it's between Rico and, you know, Michael Ironside or Radcheck, you've got, you know, the, the callbacks to his, you know, football and stuff. But I also liked, you know, the, whilst it's got this overly fascist tone, I like the whole spin on, you know, the equality in the future, the fact that, you know, that you've got a lot of strong female roles in the film, you know, you've yeah. got female captains, you know, you know the, the women are more, you know, in most cases are more intelligent than the men. And obviously you've got the gratuitous in the future, we'll all shower together scene. So, awesome. <laughs> um, which, which is nice. Which apparently was filmed, even Paul Verhoeven and his uh, cinematographer were in the nude when they filmed that. You, so, so uh, Dutch. <laughs> so, so Dutch. So Dutch. But yeah, I have a few facts. We can we can go, uh, or we could jump into casting coulda, shoulda. Let's do it. Let's do it. The, the casting the casting that was one of the things that worked about this film but this film didn't work for all of the casts so <laughs> I think you know we've, we've talked about Barney uh, sorry um, is it Pat, Philip Patrick Neil Harris what's his Neil, name Neil, Neil Patrick Harris put them in whatever order you want we've got Ironside Dean Norris uh, Denise Richards had a m- a m- she had a, a career uh, but yeah worst Bond girl ever uh, worst line uh, yeah let's let's just not talk about that so George Tell us who could have been cast. Well, there's actually two very interesting coulda, shoulda. The first one is Mr. Marky Mark Wahlberg. Are you kidding uh, he, me? Apparently, no, apparently he turned the role down. Get the hell out of here. And I can just imagine him sort of, you know... Oh, Uncle Ndathu looking side to side, shrugging his shoulders, going, huh, what? What's going on? <laughs> well, I've got a pinel uh, for my life. I'm from Bath. <laughs> <laughs> 
go down the planet and blow up some bugs. <laughs> I've got a big gun. I'm going to use it. Yeah, I'm going to write. I'm going to rewrite some of this script because none of you can like talk properly. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we um, could do Mark Wahlberg impression. Bad, bad Mark Wahlberg. Very bad. Bad, very what, bad. bad Marky Mark impressions all night. But the, I'm sure you've got some others. Was there anybody else who could have been cast? Um, yeah, I'm guessing that was for Johnny one. Rico. Yeah, sorry, these are both for Johnny Rico. Okay. I couldn't find any other casting suggestions. The other one, James Marsden of, of Westworld, Cyclops of X-Men fame. Wow, yeah, because he would have been like just after or just before X-Men, the first one? Uh, just before, two years before, I okay. think. I think the first X-Men was 99, yeah. I think so. Oh, it might be in 2000. You can see why he does have that sort of... He's just bloody handsome, isn't he? Yeah, That's football player. Would he have pulled off the stupidness? Well, he's, he's doing all right. I, I think he struggles with that in Westworld. I mean, he is... Uh, I think he's a very underrated actor. I think the, the man that he's, he should sack his agent... Well, he's, he's obviously doing quite well at the moment with Westworld, but he's... I think he's deserved to do a lot more. Such um, a dreamboat. He, he, well, he's, he's a dreamboat, but he's also... He's quite a... A talented guy. He's quite funny as well. If you've seen, even though it's it's quite a sort of left field suggestion, but the film Enchanted, the Disney film, where it's all about the Disney characters in the real world, and he plays Prince Charming, and he's one of the the funniest things in it because he's playing such an idiot. Pass. Um, <laughs> it's, no, it's, it's it's worth a watch. Honestly. Okay, okay, it's, maybe it's, if it's, I'm it's, ill, it's, I might check it out. Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, they're the casting coulda shoulda. <laughs> got a question for you um, how many gallons of fake blood do you think were used in the making of this film ooh good question I'm just trying to remember there's quite a bit there's bits there oh no 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 yeah there's yeah because they're just there's some of the sets are just drenched in it I don't know I'm gonna say five to ten gallons surprising Seventeen gallons of fake blood. Jesus. Um, and apparently, I, I don't know how accurate this this fact is, but according to IMDb, at the time it was the most amount of live ammo fired for a film. Yeah, I, I, can, um, I can. So it was actually really. Yeah, because I can believe. Uh, you know, there's that bit where they go all the training and there's a lot of gunfire. Yeah, there's a lot of gunfire, and that's the other thing that kind of keeps it. I wouldn't say too far from the future. It's like, are we going to do lasers and it's point they're just like nah 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 we're not we're not going to have advanced that far that's why i was well, talking nah. about props i thought the guns looked pretty badass no good well the uh, interestingly the, the the very small amount of the book uh, i i read the original novel they they're called the mobile infantry because they are all in these sort of exosuits uh, basically yeah basically exosuits mech suits they're they're rocket they can jump high they can boost about they're, they're it's basically like a mechanized suit full of weapons a bit sort of Iron Man-esque. Boy, we don't have the budget they're... for this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just make them the, the beautiful people with the big guns. Okay, sounds um, good. Okay, and this, uh, speaking of Paul Verhoeven, this is my favourite fact on IMDb trivia. Whilst most bugs are CGI, uh, there were some robotic models used. However, during battle scenes, the actors wound up looking at Paul Verhoeven, who would stand in front of them and jump around and scream to elicit their, their reactions. <laughs> well, fly on the wall. That would be amazing to see. So, yeah, that is my favourite bit of trivia for that film. Can I talk yeah, about uh, deleted scenes, uh, bonus, the items on the DVD? Why don't you enlighten us? How many minutes of deleted scenes were there? Was it were there more than Air Force One? A full 13 minutes? No, no, it was about that. It was about 11, 11 or 12 minutes. Mm. But obviously, I, w I watched the teaser trailer and then I was like bonus features hmm and then deleted scenes because there's obviously there's the Johnny and Carmen casting which is just painful and you're just like how did they get the work but no but what's hilarious about all of the de deleted scenes what's, what's funny is there's about I think there's about six deleted scenes in total the one that sticks out isn't actually a deleted scene because it is the last scene of the film <laughs> but the first five are like something out of Dawson's Creek Johnny and Carmen talking on campus about him getting 35% and him like totally getting to second base and snogging her and then there's like those two having a chat about the relationship and then when you know it's her talking with Xander like on two or three times so basically it was like Paul he was trying to make a love story if he'd left them in it would have been a military love story
story. I mean, it's it's so over the top, and you know that guy Xander is just like. I mean, we didn't talk about it, but I think the whole audience is kind of happy when he gets his brain sucked out. He's he's kind of he's kind of like the the guy you kind of like, you, you respect him, but you don't mind seeing him get his brain sucked out. Um, they, they what, Charlie? They sucked his brains out. <laughs> Awesome. I, I read that actually in the trivia that they, in test screenings, they there was supposed to be more of this storyline of the affair between Xander and Carmen, but they cut it because the audience basically thought Denise Richards came off as too much of a bitch. Yeah, and, and it's it's totally like, yeah, she's like, because she's a bitch for both of them. She's a bitch for Johnny. If you take these scenes into account, she's a cock tease at the start. Well, until he says he's going to sign up. Mm, I mean, if you, true. when she's kind of, she starts having the fling with Xander it's like blatant from these scenes and then when he's alive she starts in these deleted scenes she's just being a bitch to him so yeah and also it's just very love triangle you know you could see it didn't it didn't sell well the as I said the teaser trailer is basically a trailer by today's standards because I didn't actually it doesn't actually have the original trailer which as we all know trailers have been getting kind of like they go through this weird thing they were they used to be really long in the 80s and then they got really short and nowadays they reveal too much because they're worried people enough people aren't going to the cinema so yeah it paid for itself pay there's dvd having those on with everything else kind of and there's a featurette which i haven't made time to watch sorry it's probably not proper but to be fair i checked online and there's nothing really of, of any merit in that so yeah i think that that kind of wraps things up for me well, is, is there anything else yeah, the final things I was going to say is one, like Air Force One, I think it would be pretty tough to make this film in today's world. I mean, I don't want us to make this, to try and date this podcast, but obviously with um, the our new president-elect uh, Donald Trump coming into office, it just a film like this just seems too on the nose. But um, Well, the fact that the, we, might be, we might be hurtling towards a totalitarian government that was uh, satire in this film. We'll see. Exactly. But interestingly enough, they have just announced in the past week that the film is going to be remade and they're going to stick closer to the the source novel, apparently. So whether that... You know, Poe-faced, maybe? Get, Chris, yeah, well, get well, Christopher it, Nolan. You know. <laughs> we want to read a Poe-faced version. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's it. Whether um, it's Jettison's <laughs> military fascist tones we shall see but uh, the uh, an interesting comment I was reading about this article when they announced the remake they spoke to Paul Verhoeven about it and he said the reason that they got away with Starship Troopers at the time was that Sony who were the, the studio making it were going through so many uh, staff changes that so many people were being hired and fired that nobody no one checked. was really actually <laughs> well that's it yeah no, no, nobody was checking the rushes nobody was saying um Paul, do you think it's a bit over the top? Do you think that, you know, the, the space Nazis are a bit too obvious? <laughs> and yeah, he, he basically admits that he got away with it. So yeah, I think it is a very interesting film. It's a very entertaining film. It's not for everybody, if, if you like Paul Verhoeven. If you like Total you like Recall, him. if you like Robocop <laughs> and Melrose Place, <laughs> you'll, love, <laughs> you'll love this. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I think, yeah, I think that's all uh, we've got to say on the matter of Starship Troopers. Would you like to know more? So, ladies and gentlemen, that was Starship Troopers, a great film by Paul Verhoeven. Very enjoyable uh, to watch, to rewatch, and to talk about. George, your thoughts? Uh, I love Paul Verhoeven. He's a, a crazy Dutch bastard. Um, <laughs> he, I mean, yeah. We, basic Instinct. <laughs> basic Instinct. Uh, I've watched it many times uh, purely for the directorial sensibilities, the camera angles, the the framing, the nods back to Hitchcock. The um, gratuitous beaver. <laughs> mainly that. 
yeah, we've, we've touched on it already, but he is he's, he's such a unique director, and I, I think it's a real shame that this is one of the last good Hollywood films uh, he did. I mean, he, he followed this with uh, the quite forgettable uh, Hollow Man that we both saw at the cinema and were quite disappointed by. Uh, some good effects. Uh, yeah, aside from some, some good effects, it's a pretty poor film. Um, but yeah, he's, he's a very visionary director. I, I, I'm, I'm quite embarrassed to say I haven't actually seen any of his later films that he did like uh, Black Book and I think he's done, he's done a few I've seen uh, Black Book very depressing I mean mm. yeah I think some of it's based on a true story but this is a story about a woman and what she has to go through during World War and her life just she it's she just comes across as the most the most unluckiest woman to ever have gone through anything during the war so interesting uh, provocative ooh a bit of muff a bit of nipple mm. <laughs> typical yeah. Verhoeven but no uh, chicks with three tits so. no chicks with three tits um, no no metal spikes through the head unfortunately not no, no hilarious deaths mm. um, so yeah I, th- I think it's um, some people may see Sasha Troopers as a bit of an odd choice you know why didn't we go for Robocop's a great film Total Recall's a great film and no doubt I think we will cover those films oh yeah fear not we're we're just getting started Um, but it fits with our theme of our, our current theme of 1997 it's a film that we both both love there's a lot to love in that film and I think one of the reasons that film didn't do very well or it's a little bit of an un underrated gem is due to the satire I think a lot of people when they first saw when or from the looks of the trailer people didn't see that it was a satire yeah and this is the thing this is one of if you go to the cinema with George and I and whether it's the uh, the guy in Jason Bourne who just suddenly jumps out of the window or as we've mentioned a guy in Total Recall getting a pipe put through his head you're sitting next to us and we burst out laughing before anybody else yeah I actually (laughs) scared a couple of my work colleagues when I went to see a, a double bill of Robocop and Terminator and the bit in Terminate, uh, in Robocop where the guy gets doused with uh, toxic waste and is melted <laughs> and he's going help me, help me I was one of the few people laughing manically in the cinema <laughs> and my workmates just looked at me and just went you're sick you're twisted um, but yeah it's, it's the outrageousness of it and I think Paul Verhoeven is, you know, he's having fun as well, as as you should too. So in terms of, of where we're going next, uh, I think that needs to be discussed. Yeah, we, we've we've got a long list. Um, if you if you check out our blog, you'll see the films that we plan to cover in. We don't have an exact order in mind. We, we focused the last three podcasts on 1997. We needed to start somewhere and just going through through our very extensive list of of quality blockbusters um it was a good year it was 20 years ago yeah yeah it it, it ticked a lot of boxes uh, but now we're going to um we're going to take a leap back 10, 10 more years so again to make us all feel very old we're going to go back 30 years yeah it's just a small film you might have heard of it it's a small art house documentary Predator yeah, yeah uh, pre, pre, Predator oh, Predator Predator Pre- Predator not to be confused with Predators Predators no um, yeah action sweat soaked action macho sci-fi classic Predator, everyone's favourite, men in the jungle, lots of being men, with a invisible alien picking them off one by one. That's right. What's not to love? It's the governator, when he was in in his prime, both physically and... Don't forget, it's also got Apollo Creed in. Yeah, dramatically. And it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a great film. It's, I would say it's one of our favourite films uh, it's probably many people's favourite films and that's why we're going to be doing it we want to go big big as only biceps yeah well, it's, so it's we're going to the jungle it's going to be really hot we're going to get hot and sweaty we're going to cover ourselves in mud to hide yeah we're, we're going to do some arm wrestling yeah and we might even watch Predator <laughs> okay so stay tuned stay uh, please please let us know what you think um, what you're thinking like right now uh, 
what you'd like us to cover as I say the list is online there's a lot of classics there we are learning as we go along so yeah any feedback is appreciated uh, any suggestions are, are appreciated so yeah please let us know in comments on on social media on our blog um, Carrier Pigeon yeah just let us know we, we hope you enjoyed our podcast on Starship Troopers and as we've just explained we will be back with Predator so um, coming soon we're going to go and work out a little bit because uh, CIA's had us pushing too many pendants <laughs> so uh, until next time stay safe yeah and that is a wrap so I insert this here no okay